Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning. This is on, right? Yeah? Okay. Check the light. All right. Hey, good morning. Uh, I am so happy to see so many faces. Fantastic job braving the traffic caused by the marathon this morning. I'm so thankful that you all made it. Um, If you are new or visiting, good morning. My name is Rob, Rob Smith. I'm a member of the teaching team. We have a a team of about, what is it, about seven people? I'm trying to look at all my other members. They appear to be out of the room at the moment. Oh, Danny, we got seven people? I think seven people. But um, So I'm a member of the teaching team. Uh, We have been going through this series called the Psalms of Ascent. Um, It's a series of psalms. It's uh, starting with Psalm 120, and it moves through, I believe, one, the late 120s, like 129, if I'm correct. Oh, the 130s. Okay, well, I'm way off. Um, and it, this, these are psalms that were uttered and spoken by uh, the, the Jewish believers who were entering into Jerusalem on their pilgrimage as they went up the steps to what we now know as the Wailing Wall today. Um, and these were utterances and these were psalms that many of uh, people on pilgrimage uh, to go and worship God were, were, were speaking and uttering um, as a prayer as they ascended into Jerusalem. Um, And so today, I want to lead us through one of these psalms. We're going to be exploring Psalm 125. Um, And I want to use our time today as a way of understanding Psalm 125, not as a psalm that is a standalone uh, set aside or set apart on its own, but Psalm 125 more as a continuance or uh, a furthering of the journey that we are, have been covering. Uh, Pastor Danny led us through Psalm 123 and 124 uh, last week, and um, it, was, it was a psalm. There were psalms that were heartache, psalms of crying out, psalms of crying out to God for salvation, and then Psalm 124 was a psalm of the Lord reaching down and saving his people. And we, you know, Pastor Danny took us through the story of young women, young girls, young children in Philippines being sold into slavery, being trafficked, and the, the salvation and the enduring love and the presence of God that they experienced through the psalm, uh, psalms. And he shared the story of one of the children. Oh, it makes me emotional. Um, sharing Psalm 124. As her grounding psalm, her grounding scripture that sort of grounds her into who Jesus is, who God is. And I want to explore Psalm 125 today, again, as a continuation of that story the story of crying out to God, the story of salvation from or with God, by God, and then being invited into Psalm 125, which is very much a psalm talking about the refuge and protection that can be found in God. Um, 
And so with that, I want us to just read the scripture together. Um, so we're going to read Psalm, from Psalm 125 the entire thing. So if you would please read uh, and follow along with me. You don't have to read out loud, but if you just follow along with me, I'll, I'll start reading for us. So Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, for those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts, but those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. The psalmist here is invoking this imagery of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is set basically within this valley, surrounded by mountains and surrounded by walls. It is a symbol, it is an image of utter immovable protection. And so as we read through the scripture, the psalmist here is painting basically a threefold image that as we read, he's opening up basically this trifold image or this threefold type of imagery that we examine this psalm. And I see these three folds uh, through three different themes. They are uh, retreat, right? Retreat in the sense of I retreat into and trust in the protection of God. In verses 1 through 2, he explores that with the imagery of protection. The second image is refuge. The protection offered for you and for the believer and for those who trust and follow in God. The protection from the wickedness that sets out to harm in verse 3. And then reward. The peace, the lasting peace, the reward offered to the, the follower, those who trust in God, uh, receive that ever-present peace of Christ, right? And so this threefold image is being laid out before us as we read the scripture. Retreat, refuge, peace. It's an image um, very much designed to, again, be a continuation of the story that we have been reading through in the Psalms. And The Psalms is very much a poetic language in which we are invited to explore the essence of what the Scripture is saying. And so we're invited to explore the meaning and the essence and understand the poetic language used and let that frame our understanding of who God is. And so I just want to explore these three images a little bit deeper today. And so I want to draw now our attention to Uh, our first image, this image of retreat. And I kind of frame this with this understanding of trusting in God. Trust, trust in God. That walking in the Christian faith is an invitation to trust in the solid foundation that God protects his people. Those in the Christian faith are referred to in this scripture as Mount Zion. Again, the imagery of of something immovable, something unchanging, unwavering. 
Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says, living as a Christian is not walking a tightrope without a safety net above a breathless crowd, many of whom would like nothing better than the morbid thrill of seeing you fall. It is, in fact, sitting in a secure fortress. Tremper Longman, another theologian and author, uh, explores this analogy even further uh, when he explains that the psalmist is, quote, drawing upon another analogy based on the image of the mountains. Here, God surrounds his people just as the mountains surround Jerusalem. The mountains protect Jerusalem when it is attacked, and so, as the analogy implies, God protects his people. This is what we're invited to retreat into. It is not a retreat based out of fear. It is not a retreat where we are running away from something. It is a retreat that we are invited into. It is a retreat that we are running into. It's clear that in this imagery, we are given the promise. It is offered before us. God is standing at the gate of his fortress that he created, and he is welcoming you into his protection. He is inviting you into that retreat. He is inviting you into the reality and the solidity of God through Christ. It is that solid, again, unmoving, unwavering, unending nature of God. We step into refuge. God invites us to retreat into him, and he invites us into the next image of that threefold image of the scripture, refuge. And so in this next image, in this next phase of the scripture, in verse 3, it says, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest, um, shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. When we acknowledge and abide in God's protection, he allows, or he, excuse me, he doesn't allow wickedness or evildoers to enter his domain. He doesn't allow evil or wickedness to enter his kingdom. He doesn't allow evil or wickedness to enter his fortress, his refuge. He doesn't allow that to enter for the sake of protecting you. He does not want to allow that to continue to be perpetuated against you, those who are seeking refuge in him. And so, <laughs> when preparing for this sermon, um, when preparing for this sermon, I had this image, this scene from one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, and it was kind of brought to my attention re recently that I uh, apparently, I really wasn't aware of this, but I use um, movies a lot. And um, it makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm a huge cinephile. I love film. I love movies. And so when preparing for the sermon, I could not escape the imagery of a scene from one of my favorite movies of all time, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. All right? And so when I... 
when I think of the refuge and the protection that God has to offer you, those who walk in faith and those who uh, retreat into the protection of God, um, I see all the evil and the wickedness try to come against God, and God does not allow it to enter his domain, and it will look often something like this. Go ahead, Andrew. If you do not agree to my commands, then I shall... Right. I mean, how can you not laugh at that, okay? So, it, it seems silly, and I know it is silly, but the silliness is the point, right? That is how I view evil and wickedness that comes before God. It is made to look silly. God is unmoving. God is unwavering. God is the fortress upon which we receive refuge We retreat into that refuge, and all wickedness, all evil that could stand before us falls away as silly as Monty Python and the Holy Grail trying to attack a castle with a sword, right? Like, that imagery alone gives me so much hope in Jesus, right? And the silliness of it is not to diminish or take away from our experiences that we have here on earth, right? Like, we are human. We experience pain. We experience the emotion that comes from evil and wickedness, right? It doesn't mean that we don't experience these pains or emotions that comes with the brokenness of the human condition. But it does mean that we are invited to dwell in the truth that is our unmovable God, whom surpasses all of that pain, and all of that wickedness. Again, Peterson explores this concept um, when he says this. He, he, he invites, um, Peterson is inviting us to explore our understanding of who God is um, in relation to who we are. And so he says this, My feelings are important for many things. They are essential. They are valuable. They keep me aware of much that is true and real. But they tell me next to nothing about God or my relation to him. My security comes from who God is, not from how I feel. Discipleship is a decision to live by what I know about God, not by what I feel about him or myself or my neighbors. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people. The image that announces that dependable, unchanging, safe, 
secure existence of God's people comes from geology, not psychology. This is an image of us standing securely in the fortress and the protection and the refuge of God. It is as if you look to a mountain and you try to climb that mountain, you are going to be cursing that mountain's name when you're going up the steep slopes. But the way that you experience the mountain and the way that you feel about that mountain changes nothing about that mountain. And so too is the same with God. And the way that we experience pain, the way that we experience our emotions, and the way that we experience the brokenness of the human condition changes nothing about the unwavering goodness that is God and the refuge that we experience in him. But what about physical pain? What about physical suffering? What about cancer? What about diabetes? What about the ways in which we are broken physically in our bodies? Peterson explores this even further. He says, if evil is permanent... Actually, you know what? I want to I rewind. I want to provide a little bit of context before I say this. I want us to understand the context in which the psalmist is writing this Psalm 125. This is a psalm written for Israel. And if we know anything to be true about Israel and God's people we know that they experienced great pain and great suffering throughout their entire existence. Israel suffered pain and injustice at the hands of Pharaoh, at the hands of the Philistines, uh, at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Caesar, you name it, they probably experienced that form of injustice. They were murdered, they were killed, they were suffering, they were crucified, they were experiencing all forms of physical pain, physical suffering, and any form of physical injustice that could be known to man today. And yet, this psalm is written for a people experiencing that. This psalm is a way in which we understand the framework of who God is. And so, I'm going to go back into what Peterson was saying, is that this evil seemed permanent to Israel. This wickedness, this pain, this suffering probably seemed very permanent to Israel and those who were suffering all that time. And yet Peterson says, if evil is permanent, if there is no hope for salvation, even the most faithful and devout person will break and respond in wrongful violence. But... God does not permit that to happen. Danger and oppression are never too much for faith. They were not too much for Job. They were not too much for Jeremiah. And they were not too much for Jesus. Evil is always temporary. The worst does not last. And this part is key. Nothing counter to God's justice has any eternity to it. I'm going to say that again. Nothing counter to God's justice has any eternity 
to it. My diabetes has no eternity to it. My sister's cancer has no eternity to it. Your pain, your suffering, your injustice has no eternity to it. Think about that. That's what God is inviting us to. God is permanent. God is never-ending. God is unwavering and immovable. And so, that's why I invoke the silliness of Monty Python. That's what everything else looks like compared to who God is. Everything pales in comparison to the nature that is our God and his permanence as our sovereign king and the way that we experience him through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so, I then move us into the third image that we see in this scripture. That in the knowledge of this, in the knowledge of who God is, in the permanence of who he is and the nature that he is compared to all other things, all evil, all suffering, all pain, all wickedness, we get to abide in the lasting peace and enjoy the reward of who God is. Retreat, refuge, reward. We are rewarded for abiding in God's love. And when we abide in that fortress of who God is, we don't cower inside of that fortress in fear. If you are inside of a, of a strong, immovable fortress, you are not going to huddle and cower in a dark corner of the deepest recesses of that fortress out of fear. You are going to walk freely. You are going to experience the full range of peace and reward that that fortress and refuge has to offer. And it, this whole part kind of invokes this imagery again of you are welcome to the table. Like I th when I think fortress, I think of like medieval movies and all that stuff. And so I think of like a king laying out a feast before his people, his guests, his, the people who are dwelling with him. You're not hidden in some deep, dark corner of this fortress. You are invited to that table to enjoy and partake in the feast that the Lord has to offer. You get the reward of the peace that is offered in the refuge of God. And so as long as God reigns, peace will prevail over his people. And Psalm 125 reads as a model prayer for our Christian confidence in that the protection that God has to offer is unending, again, unchanging, unmoving, unwavering, and cannot be overcome. And that protection is offered through Jesus Christ. And so I want to end our time here by reading Psalm 145 again. But I don't want to read it to you. Um, I would like to read Psalm 125 
as a prayer over you. And so I invite you to have a posture of receiving, however that is for you, whether it's sitting comfortably, arms open, however you want to receive prayer. But I would like to pray this psalm as a prayer over you. And that as I read it, I want you to have that threefold image. And I want to invite you to dwell in the presence and protection that is God. And to retreat into his goodness. To find refuge in his strength. And find the good reward of peace that can only be found in him. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest, on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Father, may we dwell in the house of the Lord. May we come before you and retreat, not out of fear, but out out of joy that you have called us in. May we find refuge in the strength and the solidity of who you are and the nature of your goodness. And may we find the reward of peace in our lives in the middle of all pain, all suffering, all wickedness. May we experience the unmoving and unchanging goodness of who you are in every aspect of our life. So, Father, we we come before you grateful This is what you have to offer. And Lord, I pray that every day, every minute, every hour, we would continue to choose this and choose you. Because you are good. You are unmoving and you are unchanging. And we delight in you. Amen.